This episode of Overcoming Runner's Block is brought to you by Noom. Longtime listeners know that we've tried a bunch of stuff in the past to try to get healthy, and not all of them have worked great. Trendy eating plans, tracking apps, and also basically made stuff up to try to lose weight. Anyone remember my water diet, which was just drink a huge glass of water before your food came at the restaurant so you wouldn't be hungry anymore? Well, Noom is different. Noom is so much more than a trendy diet, gimmicky food app, or shot in the dark. We've learned so much about nutrition, our bodies, and how those things work together by using Noom every day. And that has led to much more sustainable weight loss than those other things we've tried over the years. That's because every time you use Noom, you understand more of the psychology behind food, your brain and your body, and that makes a huge difference. Noom offers daily articles about nutrition psychology, easy-to-use trackers that connect directly to your health apps on your phone or watch, and even a coach and accountability group to help you on your way to a healthier you. Go to bit.ly slash runnersblocknoom right now and see for yourself. You get a free trial of Noom for going through our link, and you can cancel anytime. That's bit.ly slash runnersblocknoom. I had transformed myself in 14 years from the time that I started running until I made the Olympic team from a really overweight kid that was lazy and hated exercise. After this, this wonderful experience in Munich, I reflected on what I wanted to do with my life if I had an opportunity to do it. And what hit me right away was I wanted to help others get into this wonderful lifestyle. You're listening to Overcoming Runner's Block, a two gomers podcast about regular people chasing big goals, facing their excuses and barriers, and inviting a nation along for the run. It's August 5th, 2022, and today we're having a conversation with Jeff Galloway, Block Deflector. speaking, one of those two aforementioned gomers coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, with my friend Steven all the way out in Flagstaff, Arizona. Wow. Dude, <laughs> Jeff Galloway is going to be on the podcast in just a few minutes here. We already recorded the interview. Uh-huh. It went off without a hitch. <laughs> right. Oh okay. So, so we've been podcasting almost 15 years now, right? And like, you know, this this is like the most amazing guest we could have ever thought of. And America's coach. America's coach, right? And he's in Atlanta, Georgia, right now. And I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, right now. So it seems like everything should go completely smoothly yeah. with this thing. Shouldn't you be able to just like plug computers in <laughs> or, so, or I could just go to his house? Um, anyways, right. some storm swept through here and in the midst of the interview, Power goes out, internet goes out, lights go out. If you watch the video, if you're one of our Patreon uh, 13.1 subscribers, patreon.com slash two gomers, you can actually watch mm -hmm. the whole interview on video. It's it's great. The interview is awesome, but there's so much great information. I mean, he get he's he's the block deflector. Jeff Galloway, 
Block deflector. Deflector. Right? We gave him a new title, uh-huh. which he seemed to really enjoy. Yeah. If if thumbs up or any indication, um, <laughs> I don't know if I would watch the interview thinking it's it's because there's at the end <laughs> Anthony's power goes out. And then several times, I mean twice or three times, you try to connect back on your phone. And it's just you look like some sort of ghoul coming in from the shadows on your phone. And it's not like we're going to stop the interview. This is Jeff Galloway. So you'll hear all that. You'll you'll it's it's such a Gomer thing, isn't it, dude? The the most important guest we've ever had. Yep. And we lose Anthony three quarters of the way in. Yep. I did come back twice. Uh, so, uh, but it, it, the, the, yeah, so you're going to hear it. Um, mm-hmm. but dude, so let's, let's just say though, that somebody looks up Jeff Galloway on iTunes podcasts mm-hmm. on Spotify, on Spotify, on, right? like wherever you find your podcasts and mm-hmm. they're here. Thank you. First of all, for, for maybe this being your first episode of the Gomers mm-hmm. and I'm Gomer one, Steven's Gomer two. Hi. Names that we've had for a super long time. Our voices sound exactly the same. Right. We know that. Uh-huh. So it takes a little while. <laughs> Midwestern boys at heart. Um, yes, have, definitely. And that's where yeah. the name comes from, right? Gomer. We used to say Gomer to each other. Kind of like as a, sort of like a term of endearment, almost like, yeah. oh, what a Gomer. Like, he's trying his hardest and not quite getting there. Can we clear up a few things about my level of interest in the revolving door of local Gomers that you see in the free time you create by not working very hard at your job? We're amateur runners. That's something you need to know if you're yes. the first time on this podcast. We're amateur a lot of things. Not all things. Anthony's nope. a assistant principal bassoonist for the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. I'm... A, a preacher and a speaker and a, and a minister and, a, and all sorts of stuff. We are good at some things, but I feel like we are forever amateurs running. Yes, we are amateurs, lovers of. Mm-hmm. You can go back. We always yep. put the little clips. We've we've gotten, we made it into How I Met Your Mother, West Wing. Yep. Uh, no, West Wing wasn't us, but, but you know. <laughs> now I have concrete proof that I wasn't. I was a total gomer. Maybe I still am. That's us. Yeah, that's us. And so we actually feel like the connection with Jeff has always been out there, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. he helps people like us and most of our listeners You're so run right. for the mm-hmm. first time or keep running with his methods. And so it just has already, it's always felt like a natural fit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how the interview comes off. We had a blast. Yeah, it was so fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't wait to have him back again because then I'll actually get to say goodbye. I think I, I think I got to say goodbye at the end. Oh yeah, it was a very smooth goodbye. Oh. Our smoothest goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> where we're all talking over each other. I'm sweating, dude. Oh, just man. like sweating with like, oh no, we're this guy's gonna hate us, but not at all. He's the the nicest guy, right? Yep. And said several times he wants to come back on. So I think the block deflector, Jeff Galloway, shall return. But I think we should get right to it. Dude, let's do it. Let's go to the interview with the Jeff Galloway block deflector. Yes. Why are you running? Are you doing this for world peace? Are you doing this for the homeless? Are you running for women's rights? Or for the environment? Or for animals? They just couldn't believe that somebody would do all that running for no particular reason. Why are you doing this? I 
I just felt like running. Hey, how's it going over there? We have the Jeff Galloway on our podcast. So pumped. Cheers, Jeff. <laughs> I was just telling you, Jeff, that's a longstanding thing. I, I mean, you're, you're kind of a pro at this, right? You've, you've done your share of podcasts. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I like them. <laughs> well, we have a very <laughs> special guest. We're uh, very excited. Um, we're trying to figure out how to introduce you. So I'm going to do this, Jeff. I'm going to say you're an Olympian. You're an author of, I think, over 20 books I was counting, but it seemed like there were a lot. 32, yeah. Whoa, okay. Wow. <laughs> over 30 books. Um, you're the inventor of the Galloway Run, Walk, Run method. Right. And I, I was reading a lot of this, that you are known as America's coach. Yes. Mm. That's incredible. And and that's just, uh, and it's just like America's, that's pretty cool because that doesn't even say America's running coach. You could be like America's coach for everything. Well, yes, <laughs> but uh, my specialty is obviously endurance, walking and running. Right. And I don't get into cycling or any of that stuff. <laughs> I actually get asked to do that. And I said, no, I, really? I've done one, one triathlon and I really hated running after being on a bicycle. So <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm, but I love the coaching. Yeah. Now we were talking before we started recording that you're in the Atlanta area. So is Anthony. So there's a connection there. Yes. Um, I'm from Flagstaff. I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona right now. Have you trained in Flagstaff ever? Yes, I have. I trained before the 76 Olympic trials Okay. Staff, and unfortunately, I was training was going super uh, better uh -huh. in in my whole life. I was really headed for a great performance, but I got a really bad strain of bronchial pneumonia. Wow! And it, hmm. it totaled me. Uh, it, I I just got knocked out of running for five weeks. It was just really destruction derby on my lungs. But wow! And I, I still ended up the last three weeks was able to run a little bit and finish ninth in the trials. But that was one of those things I very seldom say what if, but that would have been a good year if I hadn't gotten sick. Huh. And you hmm. got sick in Flagstaff. Were you training when it was cold? It was still cold. Uh, yeah. Okay. There was still usually snow on the ground in the morning. Yep. It was during uh, March and April. Yeah, that sounds like a time when people get sick up here for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, I it, obviously you know I see a lot of teams running by and tons of people come up here. And actually, let me ask you this. I saw something very strange this past week. My wife and I were running on some trails and these two guys are coming the other way and they're obviously training. They've got like they're kitted out, right? Like they've got all the stuff on. They've got a pacer on a bike next to them. They're speaking in German and they're walking. Hmm. They're like speed walking. They're not walk running or run walking. They are speed walking and they have like a, a very particular form. Have, have you heard of this before? I, I was just like, maybe I'll ask Jeff about this. He knows about walking. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, it, there used to be more rules for race walking. Uh, uh -huh. Have you been watching the uh, the World Championships on television? 
I watched I watched some last night. Yep. They had uh, they had the walk one of the walks or the only walk whatever it is they have now, and if you look at them coming towards you and even from the side, it looks like they're all they're doing is shortening their stride so they can have one foot on the ground. But they used to have mm. other rules on it. Okay. Right. Yep, that's what it was looking like. Okay. Then that's what yep. they were. They, and you know the the principle to me is quite clear. If you can train mm-hmm. for about two months or maybe more at altitude, you're going to get a benefit. I sure did. I mean, that's really yeah. pushed me uh, from being, you know, not quite at the uh, at the mid level of of national caliber to world class. My two two months at uh, Vail, Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Yep. A lot of people train there too, right? In Vail. Not as many as Flagstaff. And, and I suppose I was the only postgraduate runner that year in 76. There really weren't many people seeking that out, but it was to me that it was a great place because it was further South than most other good training areas. And yeah. uh, even though uh, Northern Arizona was not a powerhouse in running at the time, they still had a great track and they had yeah. great uh, trails to run and there were runners that I could run with. So it was really yeah. a place. Yeah, I didn't know that when I moved here. And then I was like, <clears throat> everybody is a runner. And even if you come up here and you don't live here, you came up here to run. So it was, it was kind of part of my process to understand that I live in a running town. Now it, it, it would you say, Atlanta, I don't know, Anthony, would you say Atlanta is like that? Is that a, is yeah. Atlanta a running town when you're just an amateur runner? Yeah, that's, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you that too, Jeff. So I've been in Atlanta now for five years. We actually moved here um, to join the orchestra and I moved here on the 4th of July, 2017. <laughs> and the night before we moved here, uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, I have an extra an extra race bib for the Peachtree Road Race. And I'm like, you know, we've got a moving truck full of stuff. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I was like, it was not, that was not the ideal circumstances. Like I've got two little kids. Um, and I'm not going to like ditch my wife the morning of like our moving truck, you know? Um, so, but that was the very first day I hear about this, this, uh, famous race and mm. like our listeners don't know this, but we're actually speaking with the person that won the first race, right? <laughs> Didn't you win the first You, you won. Yeah. Yeah. And I came back five years later to be, uh, on the management team as assistant director. Okay. We, we grew the race, uh, from 15, uh, excuse me, from 1200 to 12,000 in three years. Wow. Wow. We, We learned a lot. It was one of those situations trial by fire because there weren't systems for dealing with that type of growth. And we had to learn them and develop a lot of those, but, uh, you know, I think the greatest contribution that we made, there were two of them. One was, uh, it was my mission to tie fitness with an athletic event, a running, a high quality mm-hmm. running event. And yeah. we got help for, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, our big newspaper, because mm-hmm. they were solidly behind 
the principle of getting more people involved for health and fitness purposes. Mm. And the second thing was uh, bringing in world-class athletes from literally all over the world. We had Lasse Viren and a number of Mm -hmm. my friends from the Olympics that I invited in so we could really make a big splash. And and I have to give credit to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution because they made the event pop as a media Mm -hmm. event. And and it was really exciting for all of us involved, but we were able to deliver the goods. Yeah. Well, where is that in as far as kind of like the history of road running and lots of people being involved in it, like in regards or in comparison to like Boston, New York, like, is that at the cusp, like growing around the same time? Well, Boston, of course, uh, started in 1897. Oh, oops. So they were going. Gomer fails. But but you see, they they grew slowly. Right. Okay. And we we had more runners, uh, at least second, third year than than Boston had, certainly by the third year. Mm. Uh, Okay. Okay. But um, other races were starting to take off in the mid 1970s. Uh, mm-hmm. We took the lead initially for those first three years, but then a number of other races started coming in and and uh, doing innovative things. And hmm. that's when road racing really started making an impression upon the American psyche. Well, the, something curious you just said a little while ago was that it... Uh, it, it was maybe a novel thing to connect fitness to running that I, maybe you can explain that a little bit more. Like I just assume those things are connected. It, it, that time was that a novel idea that like people would be racing not to win, but racing to get healthier. I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I'm hearing that right. That's, that seems pretty interesting to me. Well, it is an interesting uh, development and historical movement. In fact, mm-hmm. um, I started running 1958, so I saw the whole transition mm-hmm. uh, from running and particularly distance running being this very, very tiny number of people who would get out and do their distance running usually by themselves. But okay, I also saw. Uh, you see, I went to uh, to college at Wesleyan University in Connecticut. So mm-hmm. I was in New England and was able to run road races in the early to mid-60s. So uh, that's where, that was the only part of the country that had regular road races. It's hard mm-hmm. to believe now. Wow. But there were only literally a handful in the whole rest of the United States, most of the road races were in New England, and they uh, were every weekend you could go somewhere. Um, so I ran in these races, and I started seeing people who had no desire to win a race, had no desire to run a fast time. They mm-hmm. were doing this for their own achievement and, and you know sense of accomplishment, uh, and. This was a new thing to me because it hmm. seemed to me that that running in high school was you try to be the best that you could mm-hmm. and in every race. Well, a lot of these people were lifestyle runners. They were the first wave of that. Hmm. So this 
really started growing even more in the 70s after uh, we had that tremendous performance in 72 in the, uh, in the marathon, which right. was mm. such great publicity in the ABC coverage of it. just uh, a, a national phenomenon because my teammate Frank won and mm-hmm. uh, and big deal was made of that and as a result of that you started seeing two groups of people start running one of them was a lot of young guys who thought well gosh that that guy shorter doesn't really look like a muscled athlete maybe I could uh, you know get to be a fast runner if I uh-huh. and then the second group was a growing number of these people that had dabbled in other exercises uh, realizing the health benefits of exercise which were beginning to be promoted by the media in mm-hmm. the 70s and uh, so there were these this big boost that was the very first running boom which then just kept growing how does that, I mean, we, we mentioned that, of course, you're Jeff Galloway. And so I, it's it's funny to me because some of our listeners call it Jeffing, the yeah. run, walk, <laughs> run. It's, it's so tied to you that it's called your first name, um, <laughs> the run, walk, run method. Like, was, was this thing that you're talking about, kind of the developing fitness part of the running side? Oh, absolutely. Were you just along for the ride in that? And so you were like, okay, I will make this easier for people that are interested in that side of running. Uh, these are all really good questions. And if I don't uh, answer uh, one of those three questions you just asked, well, do your best. Because <laughs> no, that's funny. I like to tell stories, you know, I yeah. like bring it into a narrative. And with me, it started right after I came back from the Olympics. Mm-hmm. I had transformed myself in 14 years from the time that I started running until I made the Olympic team from wow. a really overweight kid that was lazy and hated exercise, Olympian, mm-hmm. and very unexpectedly made the Olympic team. I mean, it, it, it's a story all to itself. But after this, this wonderful experience in Munich, I reflected on what I wanted to do with my life if I had an opportunity to do it. And what hit me right away was I wanted to help others get into this wonderful lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I had no idea why. Mm-hmm. After every run, I had a better attitude. I had more energy. And here's the big one the empowerment to overcome challenges that I wouldn't have really attacked if I hadn't run regularly. And Mm -hmm. I saw all of this happening. Now, in fact, um, I I had never seen any of this documented by research until I did research on my book, Mental Training. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that starting in the 90s, there have been thousands of studies worldwide that show 
that exercise in general, but running to the highest level, elevates the brain circuits for a better attitude, for more energy, and for personal empowerment better than anything that's ever been studied. And so all these things that I was experiencing and knew people would benefit from are very well documented. My mission then became how can I have a living and be able to bring more people into this? And what I settled on was a running store. Now, there weren't any running stores. And the reason was the market for running specialty was so small that you mm-hmm. could make a profit on it. So I decided to heck with this, I'm going to have a running store. <laughs> so I opened the very first running store in 1973, a specialty running store. And, uh, you know, I was struggling along. So I started teaching people and coaching folks. And I taught a class. And that was through the store also? They would meet you at the store and then you would coach them? Exactly right. Okay. And Got so it. brought people in and it enlarged the market because they started bringing their friends. Mm-hmm. And I started uh, seeing people who were coming off the couch. And this was really strange to me. Adults mm-hmm. who wanted to start running, but they had never done any of it their whole lives. And I was wondering, well, I don't want to get them injured. How in the world can I do this uh, and, and get them to experience these wonderful uh, benefits and not get them injured. And it just hit me when I did the very first workout with them, they've got to walk. And so Mm. what I did was I divided up into three groups that naturally uh, came that way because, you know, people tend to find their own pace when you're in it. And so we had three of those and they met at the store on different days of the week. And I ran with each one of them. And the first run, walk, run was based on a very simple principle, the huff and puff principle. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Anybody in the group started huffing and puffing. I made everybody in the group walk. Oh, okay. And so we did that all the way through. And 10 weeks later, at the end of the class, every one of those people ran either a 5K or a 10K. Wow. And that was wonderful. But what was even better is that there were no injuries. Mm-hmm. I, I had never been with a group of, and in this case, it was 22. I had never been with a group of more than a dozen runners within two months in, in which nobody got injured. Hmm. I realized right there and then that it had to be the walking that did this. And sure enough, uh, that's what has turned out to be the thing. Um, And the research, going back to anthropologists who study ancient man, believe that our bodies as humans were not designed for long-distance, continuous running, Mm. but that our ancestors did cover extremely long distances by walking and then by walking and running. Okay. Yeah. So it's a natural thing, and it's part of our heritage. It's what the body is designed to do, 
Mm. And so we're just going back to our roots. So how would you suggest like a person, because we have a, a varied group of listeners, some that have been running for a long time, some that used to run and don't run anymore. And then some, since we've been podcasting for a long time and we do tangents when we end up talking about movies and and lots of other stuff um, and have never really run at all. What would be something you would suggest them? Like how would, how could somebody like that either come back from not having done it or just maybe start? The, the whole brain, the increase in activity in the brain is generated by a run of some type, but I'm finding through my coaching uh, of thousands of people like the folks you're talking about. Mm -hmm. myself after my heart attack last year i had Mm -hmm. to to go back and do what bare beginners do and i even struggled to do that Mm -hmm. but the way that i have found to do that safely and to bring people in without aches and pains or without exhaustion or without puking, because I'm against all of those things, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, is to start them out with very short amounts of running, followed by mm-hmm. a lot more walking. And what I usually use for uh, bare beginners off the couch is something like three seconds to five seconds of running, wow. and then uh, 30 seconds to 60 seconds of walking. Right. That usually works. And, and then they progress at their own rate. However, um, I found quite early that the beginners who only did three to five seconds, and a lot of them just stayed with that because that worked and they never had mm-hmm. any problems with that. They still were telling me the wonderful brain benefits they were getting out of doing mm-hmm. it, even though they were only running three to five seconds at a time. Yeah. And when I came back from my heart attack, I understood what they were talking about. And and it's different than just walking. This is something that I've been curious about. As a, I, I think I read the three to five second thing somewhere this past week that you said that. And part of me was like, well, then just walk. But I think what you're saying is that even that short amount has a brain impact. Is that right? It does. And okay. Uh, there are theories and there are also research studies that back this up. Okay. Uh, but the fact is that walking is a great exercise and it's a mm-hmm. great uh, health exercise. And it will give someone who's been sedentary a lot of the initial feelings that people get when they run, when other people are getting into running. However, once a threshold of fitness is reached through walking, it doesn't deliver the same benefits that running does. And there are lots of really amazing and uh, I think very valid theories about why this is, because running is what enabled our ancestors to survive, to find food, to get away from predators, uh, to go in on hunts for the tribe, you know, to supply food for the tribe. There's all types of mental networks up there that are tied to running that enhance the way you feel and the way you're able to react and the way you're able to think. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get major doses of these hormones. Uh, One of them that is uh, rather significant is called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. The scientists call it miracle growth for the brain. 
because mm. that's what it does. It not only stimulates the growth of hundreds of thousands of new brain cells within a week, uh, but it brings them into the actual operation of the brain so that they will stay there and grow the brain. Yeah. Uh, and I have witnessed this for the last 40 years in going to races, talking to runners in their mm-hmm. 80s, and they don't act their age. That mm-hmm. to a person, they have more energy, more vitality, and are about as mentally sharp as any 30-year-old that you'll meet. Yeah, and that's it's, great. Yeah, <laughs> it's, all, it's all great stuff. A um, mm-hmm. study that I uh, latched onto when I was uh, studying up for a TED Talk showed that within three days of running, the individuals in this study grew more than 100,000 new brain st- uh, stems. Wow, that's amazing. As, and as, especially as Stephen and I have entered middle age, we're both in our early 40s now, right? We're 44, 42. Three. That's is that mid? I think maybe I'm in my mid forties. No, yeah, you're mid. My early mid. Mid, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I know one thing that we're really starting to like lean into is um, embracing the second half of life and wanting to not be injured, wanting to run till we're a hundred, which is why we've been reading your book. Um, Mm -hmm. A question I had though. So you mentioned the heart attack. You did the half marathon Disney right away afterwards, or pretty soon afterwards. Is that right? Yeah. It was months later, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uh, actually. It was uh, about ten months later. Okay. Oh, okay. I could have done it a little earlier, mm-hmm. not much earlier. I mean, it, it was. It was really a quite a an experience to get everything working again. And yeah. I'm still I'm still at a fraction of capacity that as I mm. was before the heart attack. Okay. But it turns out that the uh, cause of my heart attack was uh, military in nature. Mm-hmm. I was in the Navy during Vietnam, and for 18 months out of my three-year hitch, um, I was stationed on a ship off the coast of Vietnam in the areas where Agent Orange was used. And uh, Agent Orange has been identified by the VA as a cause of both cancers and Mm. heart attacks later. When I saw the news, it was in 2021, right? Early 2021 when you had your heart attack? It was April. The the first thing I thought was, well, I'm glad he survived that. And the second thing I thought was, now he really gets to practice what he preaches, right? Like, I was like, (laughs) well, he's going to be shuffling now right he's gonna be run walk running and um as i've looked back a little bit since then i've seen a lot of videos of you doing just that it, did it feel like it was starting over to you it was uh okay. i was absolutely well first of all i not only had a heart attack mm-hmm. uh had to get five stents to all oh, right unblock a total blockage of my right artery going into the heart. Mm-hmm. But once they got that opened up, um, the things weren't working quite right. Something was wrong. So they took me back in the hospital for further investigation. And while I was there, my heart stopped. I was, I was literally dead for wow. about a, a minute and a half to two minutes before they got me. Fortunately, I was under the direct supervision of these great technicians and doctors there 
and they had all the equipment right around me, CPR did not work. Uh, mm. And so then they brought the paddles in and uh, they didn't work at first, but it did come around. And all of the medical team uh, came up to me in, uh, in different ways, told me that if I had not been running what I had been running, I would not have survived that uh, series of wow. situations. So wow. would you attribute then like the 10, the 10 months between that and Disney your run, walk, run method and your previous running of 40 plus years as to part of why you're now so full of energy and, and active again. Like, is that something that you would attribute that to? No doubt about it. The other statement that has been made in my regular visits with the doctors, with the medical team is that they are totally blown away by how quickly I have rebounded, not just wow. in running, but in life itself. I mean, there are, I, you know, when the word got out uh, about my heart attack, um, I have received more than 4,000 comments from folks, and a high percentage of them are people that have had some incident. Uh, right. That have been a heart attack, but it was something that set them back really, really badly. Mm -hmm. and, you know, the running community is a wonderful community, and we, we all know that. Um, but my mission at that point, uh, just sort of edged up several notches and I developed more energy to do the things that I do in advising people and, and motivating them and mm. giving them pep talks because it changes their life. Yeah. And there's nothing more wonderful that I've ever experienced than being able to change somebody for the better, help them change themselves. Um, I, I just wanted to share that one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on and that people have been asking us to have you on for so long is because um, they because we try to do the same thing. We try to encourage people that running is for everyone. It's not just for the elite. Um, and so we just got, when we got a lot of our socials were a buzz when they found out that you're going to be on the podcast. And one of our listeners said, Mark, he said, between you guys and Jeff, I was able to do my first marathon nine years ago. Oh, wow. Um, it just, it feels like that's the best compliment, sort of compliment we can ever receive that, um, we've been able to be a part of somebody's journey in that way. My assumption is that you hear a lot of that at events you go to and Ted talks you give and races you're at. Do you get a lot of people coming up to you? Every day. And, uh, mm. I am currently averaging about 50 to 60 emails a day from runners Wow. And, uh, wow. At least 10 of those are statements like that. And it's, okay. it's, it's just wonderful stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, at, at Disney, I, any Disney events, I will talk to between 2,000, 3,000 people individually. And most mm -hmm. of them have stories. Uh, they're wonderful stories, mm -hmm. things they've overcome since they got into it. And what they tell me is the only way I would have ever been able to do this was by using your method. Mm, wow. And That's you, amazing. You, you nailed it. I mean, th this is the best thing that anybody could ever tell me. That's mm -hmm. so great. Can, can I ask you a real quick technical question about Run, Walk, Run? Yes. So Stephen and I did the Publix Atlanta Half Marathon uh, back in uh, end of February. February. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Were you there by any chance? Uh, no, I wasn't. Uh, okay. okay. I don't know um, where I wasn't there. Okay. Um, and so we, we were doing the run, walk, run, walk, run thing. We've got it set up on our watches, kind of, kind of jer- jerry-rigged uh, run keeper on our Apple watches to, to do it. Um, and I had like the idea that during the walk portion, I walk as fast as I can. And then <laughs> yeah. run, you know, sort of more truffle shuffle pace. And then Stephen was thinking of the walk as like a break, like you walk more mm-hmm. slowly. Well, I and would so, say, like, Anthony, I, your walk was almost as fast as your run. And so I was like, <laughs> okay. what's the difference here? We're not sure. Okay, yeah, that's, different. That's probably so, it. I was doing speed walking, running, like, or right. slow walking. We're, I don't know. This is a gift to us. We're allowed to relax here. So, but sure. uh, I don't know if there's something in the middle there, but I think we, the two of us are kind of at odds, I think, in that. Like, is it better to really breathe and rest during that walk, or do you want to keep your um, heartbeat up? Yeah, I'm wondering that too. Well, the first uh, thing I need to, to mention to you is that you really do need to get a, a better device for telling you when to walk and run. We okay. have a timer that only uh, costs $20, and you can Great. set it in 30 seconds. I mean, and, and reset mm. So, and, and you're going to need to reset it uh, various times due to conditions. So, uh, you know, you ought to think about that. The second uh, type of technology is... Um, an app that we are about to launch that I'm very excited about because not only can you set just about whatever run, walk, run you want, but you will get coaching from every workout from me. I recorded the message. And anyway, it's, 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 and it has a lot of other uh, assets such as nutritional uh, connections and stuff like that. Now to answer your question, the main purpose of the walk break is to let the legs and feet and joints recover from the run. Got it. And, and the way that people walk is very different. We, when we first started researching the, this whole process, we realized that where people spread out in groups is during the walk break. Because some people like to walk more slowly than others, and some can walk faster and still recover. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's up to you. And you guys don't even have to argue about that. (laughs) It's an individual thing. Okay. Okay. Great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. awesome. Um, That's that's a relief to hear that it actually is – not like this is exactly how fast to go, exactly how slow to go, but you kind of make it your own. Yes. Um, and I think the two of us have done that. Certainly our listeners have. Um, so, yeah, that's good to hear. Okay. Well, I'm, I, I'd love to do a little segment with you right now. Yeah. So um, we we were kind of chatting over email a little bit about what we do on the podcast, which is Overcoming Runner's Block. We have listeners share they're kind of barriers or excuses with us. And then usually we devote an entire episode to each one of those barriers. But I thought, hey, we've got Jeff on. What if we just spoke to some of the most popular ones? And you actually use the word deflect, that sometimes people or often people come up to you with their problems or their blocks is what we would call them. 
and you and you told me I do that every day. I deflect those issues, and so um, we're gonna do a segment that that we're calling Jeff Galloway Block Deflector. I've even made a little jingle for this. I th- I think it fits your brand. So here we go. Jeff Galloway Block Deflector. Deflector. All right. So that, that that's you now. Now America's Coach. That's a pretty cool title. But Jeff Galloway, block deflector. There's a whole new title you've got right now. So here's how this segment is going to work. We actually asked our listeners to send in some blocks that they want you to speak to. And so I'm going to have you kind of pretend you're at one of your events and some of these folks are coming up to you and giving an excuse or a barrier against their running. And then we would love for you just to say what you would say to them. Because my guess is you don't have half an hour with each of those people, right? It's it's usually a small, minute-long interaction, I'm assuming. It's an elevator speech, yes. Right. <laughs> That's perfect. That's exactly what we want. So I'm going to lob some blocks at you, Anthony and I are. Um, and then uh, I just we, I, our listeners would love to hear what you would say to this. So the first one is actually a, the first block we ever did. Um, we hear it over and over from our listeners. One of our listeners, Jill, calls it the imposter syndrome. What we've heard over and over from our listeners is, I don't look like a runner. What would you say to somebody who said that to you? I don't look like a runner. Well, first of all, I do want to, after we get through with this, um, the segment, uh, be able to explain what's happening in the brain. And, you Ooh, know, I'd love that. All of these things. So we'll do that. Now, okay. Uh, I don't look like a runner uh, is very common. Mm -hmm. The fact is that if you go to any major marathon, you're going to see just about every body shape you can Mm -hmm. possibly Mm -hmm. imagine. And look at the expression on their face as they cross that finish line. Mm -hmm. It is ecstasy. It is empowerment, uh, Mm. amazing achievement. I have... uh, talk to people who are extremely accomplished in their fields, uh, extremely wealthy people who tell me, you know, the accomplishment that may meant the most to me was the finishing of X race. Mm-hmm. And it's true. It, it does so much for you. So um, I'm just not going to let people have that as an excuse. It is deflected. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Vi asks, she's an Arizona resident, and actually I'll throw in for me too as an Atlanta resident. It's so hot outside during the summer. What do you do? First of all, you do your runs in the dark if you can, but certainly before dawn, uh, before, uh, you know, the sun gets above the horizon. Uh, Secondly, you wear light clothing with technical fibers in it. And mm-hmm. thirdly, you run short loops and you'll have to experiment with how short the loops need to be mm-hmm. uh, using a very technical concept that I call the ice chest method. Mm-hmm. You okay. load up an ice chest full of ice water uh-huh. and uh-huh have a couple of cups there. And every time you come by the ice chest, you pour a cup full, two or three 
cups of ice water over the top of your head and you let it soak into your shirt. Brilliant. You would be amazed at how that knocks the uh, heat issue down to manageable levels if, if, if your loop that you're doing is short enough. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's that's great. Now, I've also, this might be in my mind, but since I've been doing run, walk, run more, I've felt like I've been able to manage my body temperature. Um, I, and so I don't know if that's just mental or if no, you walking, are. okay, that's also I'm helping me control that. Because you're, um, when you walk, you do not elevate your core body temperature like you do when you run. Right. Running uh, elevates it higher at first, but then the longer you run, the more that core body temperature is going to get elevated. And that cause, causes all types of extra things that the body has to do to try to get rid of this heat uh, that will cause you to slow down. And I've done studies on that to show that the average person slows down 30 seconds a mile for every five degrees of temperature increase above 60. And if you oh. in places like Canada and Finland and so forth, it starts at 55 degrees. That's actually mm -hmm. technically where the core body temperature starts to increase when you run. Okay. All right. That's great. Okay. So Frank said, now his words were, I'm too fat. I changed it to be nicer to I'm too heavy, but I want to be true to what Frank said. He said, I'm too fat. And I, my, my feeling about that was it, it's less a body issue for him as like he's nervous about getting injured or he's, he just doesn't think that running is for people who are overweight. What, what would you say to that? Well, at uh, every Disney race, I talk with at least 10 people that have lost over a hundred pounds and kept mm. off. Running uh, mm. is an incredible way to lose weight in the right way because mm. it, it gets your body working in many, many different ways as a team to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, most of the people that I've talked to now over the years, you have to realize this is the 30th year. So I've talked to a lot of, a hundred of centurion people that have lost more than a hundred pounds, a lot of wow. them over the years. And um, the thing that they tell me is that most of them had some feeling like that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't feel like I belong here. Uh, I, I could be doing myself damage. And then they discovered run, walk, run. And everything mm -hmm. turned around at that point mm -hmm. because yeah. run, walk, run, you're the captain of your ship. You determine how much you run, how much you walk. If you're feeling more pounding, you take an extended walk break to reset everything. And mm -hmm. then you readjust your run, walk, run to one that's more manageable for you. Yeah. So you're in control here with run, walk, run. And, uh, if you also look at some simple but effective nutritional guidelines, you can lose weight too. Yeah, that is awesome. great. Okay, here's a common one that we get from a lot of people, common block, is they just say, running is boring. <laughs> what do you say to that? The, re the, main, the main reason, uh, and, and I've talked to thousands of people that 
have used that as an excuse. Mm-hmm. And um, and my my comeback to them is that you're making it boring. Uh, <laughs> Deflected. Deflected. <laughs> yeah, keep, because, that's great. What do you mean by that? Well, what happens is people get locked into this certain rhythm and usually a certain pace. And uh-huh. it's usually among the people who call it boring, usually that pace is a little bit faster or maybe a lot faster than they should be running, at least on that given day. And as a result of that, they reach a certain point where they have elevated the negatives, the the body temperature's up, their fatigue is up, they um, can't, uh, they're they're pounding their feet and on and on. I mean, you know, all the negatives that can come about really start to accentuate. And so this whole boring thing is, I want to quit right now. This is just boring. I I don't want to deal with this. There's Mm -hmm. nothing going on here. So the way that you cope with that is you start out much more slowly. You find interesting things that you uh, look at every mile and on most running courses, you can do that. Now on the treadmill, there are videos that you can look at and you can interact visually with mm-hmm. things that are going on around you. This is one of the most powerful things that you have when you run, especially on trails. Uh, yeah. So the, the whole concept here is to manage your pace and the runs are not going to be boring like they were before. Yeah, sure. that's great. Do you just as a follow up, Jeff? When do you ever run with? Also, there's like a storm coming into Atlanta, so it looks like the lights have just been turned off at my house. I don't know what the weather's like over where you are, um, but uh, I'm gonna have to turn a light on at some point. But do you do you ever uh, listen to music or um, podcast books? Oh, yeah. you know, Good do you question. do anything to keep mm-hmm. like when you're doing long runs? What do you do? I uh, don't tend to do that mainly mm-hmm. because. I developed the self-entertainment of running and interacting with things around me and so forth. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, Interestingly enough, a study was made uh, in social psychology that has become a landmark study on marathoners. And the study targeted a group of world-class athletes. I was actually one of those. And it compared their mental coping strategies with athletes that were not quite world-class. They Mm -hmm. they right at the verge of becoming world-class. And what was uh, defined by the researchers is that the world-class athletes uh, associated with what was going on during the run, and they were making adjustments accordingly. Uh, Mm -hmm. The hill was coming up, they adjusted their stride. They focused on that. They, uh, Mm Uh, slowed the pace down going up. They allowed them to glide uh, further down. The uh, almost to a person, the almost world-class athletes had coping strategies that were fantasy worlds. Uh, One guy built a house during marathons. And so he was focused on a fantasy of where he was in his house building thing, but it distracted him. Now, this gets me into what I promised to explain as to why Mm -hmm. you have these 
negative thoughts during a run. And it's all about which brain component you choose to use when you run. You have two brain operating systems that you can choose from. One is the ancient subconscious brain, the emotional brain, and the other one is the human brain. And uh, those who um, just go out and put one foot in front of the other tend to use the emotional ancient brain. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what happens there is that at first you may feel good, but as soon as you start to get tired and or the temperature increases and or weather challenges come, then the ancient brain starts secreting anxiety hormones to make you less motivated to go on. And then as the situation gets worse, you find that you uh, get the negative hormones, which can Mm. be absolutely devastating to motivation. Uh, Now, those who have a strategy, who really work on the uh, where they are, what they're doing, like the world-class athletes do, uh, and coping with problems as they come up, will activate the human brain. Because whenever you have a strategy, and the most simple strategy is to either say uh, positive mantras or funny mantras Uh or count. Uh, My wife, Barb, uh, counts her steps. That's a very effective cognitive strategy because when you're counting, you're going to be turning on your human brain, which overrides the ancient brain and stops the flow of the negative hormones. And by by strategy, you mean any any of those things, right? As long as you have some sort of plan. Cognitive thought. Okay, got it. It has to be a thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as soon as you latch on to a thought, you activate the human brain. Now, okay. it doesn't stay active unless you keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of strategies in my mental training book that uh, you can latch on to and use. Okay. Uh, but the simple ones are mantras, and you can have a bunch of mantras, or you can have a few mantras that you like and use over and over again. Yeah. We, we've talked mantras before. I hadn't thought about them in this way, that they're actually a strategy to keep, the, to keep you moving forward without having that other negative part of your brain creep in. Um, it's very powerful. Yeah. Yes. Works. I think we lost Anthony to the storm. I think that's what has happened. There's a storm yeah, rolling I, in. I'm looking out my window now and <laughs> it, the clouds have come on, but fortunately we don't, uh, in my part of, of town, it's not pouring. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that oh, looks like he's coming back in. I think that that was really helpful because a lot of, a lot of people will just let these blocks or excuses completely derail them. And I think there's also an attitude of there's nothing I can do about that, right? It's just who I am. It's just an, a barrier I have. There's the, and so the what we try to do on the podcast is to say, no, there are strategies. There are ways to do that. I think your kind of broad overall, this is why negative thoughts creep in on the run is super helpful. Yeah, and, and there is a way you can cope with these. Uh, mm-hmm. so- I will totally deflect this thing, this thought, which I've had too earlier in my career that, mm-hmm. oh, well, this is just something that I'm going to have to deal with and, and I can't do anything about it. Well, you can. Mm-hmm. And if you 
have cognitive thoughts that you keep active, then you're going to stop the flow of those negative hormones. That's awesome. Anthony, are you back? Can you hear us or no? Oh, oh, he's gone again. All right. I think what I'm going to do is probably just wrap up. Jeff Galloway, Block Deflector. Deflector. It's been so awesome to have you on the podcast, Jeff. I, I the the our listeners are going to be so excited to hear from you. I think just hearing more of your story. I love the stuff you were leading us through about even the history of running. Which, when you're a runner in the 2020s, you don't think about how new all this is, how recent, um, what's been going on, kind of behind the scenes. So that's been really helpful. And then we, I've loved having you deflect some blocks and we'd love to have you back as we gather more blocks to deflect more. This was really fun. Well, you can count on that. I'd be glad to come back. And I really want to issue an invitation also for folks. uh, If they're in the Atlanta area, we have a great race on September 1st in Mm. Piedmont Park uh, sponsored by Kaiser Permanente. It's just a great health uh, orientation and a lot of fun running through the park. And then next March 18th and 19th, we are going to have the Jeff Galloway Half Marathon and the Barb Galloway 5K. And it is will, that new? It is no, it's been going on, but we've moved the date. Okay, gotcha. It was in December and it was really hard okay. to get to uh, mm-hmm. there late December even. But sure. now we've gotten tremendous response, a lot of fun. And I'm at the finish line giving mm-hmm. out really great medals and taking pictures with anybody until the last person finishes. Wow, that is amazing. And w- say the date of that again. 18th and 19th of March. Where can they find more information about that and about you online? Is that all on your website? JeffGalloway.com. Awesome. And they can follow you on Instagram, of course. Absolutely. Um, uh, You have a Twitter, too, that I follow. You're all over the place. Yes. And tell you the truth, I don't manage that. So uh, you can find it at the website, though. Just go to jeffgalloway.com. Great. Remind me of your age, Jeff. I just turned 77. Okay. And proud of That's amazing. Well, then let me toss this final block at you. We had several listeners, Marion, Val, and Holly in particular, say their their main block is that they're just feeling old, right? There's a lack of energy, losing speed. Um, what, what would you say to some of our older listeners that have that as a block? The reality is that you're going to lose speed. And so my advice there is you've got to lose that orientation about speed. Okay. Uh, But the fact is that the mental benefits of running exceed anything else that you can do to enhance your life as you get older. Mm -hmm. And they're going to increase the number of brain cells that you can grow as you get older. Uh, So they're just incredible benefits. And you don't have to run more than five to 10 seconds to get those benefits. Mm -hmm. You keep alternating five to 10 seconds with 30 seconds. You feel great. It'll mm-hmm. turn on the good attitude circuit, the empowerment circuit to overcome those problems. And you can age gracefully and with great vitality. And you're, the proof's in the pudding. 
when I'm sitting across from you right here, Jeff. I mean, I think that you're 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 kind of living proof that that can be the case. It's wonderful, and you see, I, I have the privilege of being able to interact with so many people that are in their 80s and now a few in their 90s, and there'll be more and more of them uh, yeah. who are runners. And uh, I'm not going to act my age either. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, that's one of the reasons you, I'm sure you're many of our listeners, Hero and ours too, is that we, we've never wanted to act our age. Anthony, can you hear us? Are you back? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, yes, just we barely. Can and we can sort me? of see you. I'm sorry that the uh, storm oh. knocked your lights out. <laughs> this is very typical for our podcast, the Jeff. Power. Something like this happens. <laughs> well, you know, it gives people something to talk about. <laughs> Definitely. I don't know if you guys can hear me, but I'm so sorry. It's okay. Do you want to say bye? We're just we're just saying bye right now, Tone. Okay, yes. Jeff, I am so sorry. The power is out in the house. We have no internet. It has been an incredible honor to have you on the podcast. And I'm so sorry about this. Um, but I would love to have you and your wife come to the Atlanta Symphony, um, have you guys as a guest. It was like a total honor. Uh, well, we would love to do that. And also, because you didn't get a chance to ask your questions, Anthony, uh, we'll just have to have another episode. Amazing. Amazing. So this is this worked to our benefit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff. Well, uh, once again, thank you. Um, it, it was such an honor, and we will have you back for sure. That sounds great. Love to do it. All right. Um, we'll talk to you later. I'll shoot you an email. Have a great one. Super. Okay. Bye. Wow, man. That was amazing. He's back, everybody. Anthony is back. I am so sorry about that. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I just, it couldn't have gone any differently. You know what I mean? It's just like so us. Dang it. Totally. I, I mean, the power's back on in my house. We could Yay. call Jeff. I could go, I mean, go over to his house. He's only like 20 minutes away. Although Atlanta traffic could be two hours. But what, what if it's just some random guy shows up at his door? Like you, you pretending to be his best friend or something. Yeah. Oh, hey, Jeff. Hey, dude. Hey, hey, I've got a microphone. Can we do that again? Um, but no, seriously, here, here's my just two quick thoughts. Okay. One, that was so cool. Mm -hmm. Like, what a generous man. Um, yep. Like, I love and I'm so inspired by the fact that he has spent his life building other people up. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like, encouraging and lifting up other people, helping people succeed and be healthy i mean he has yeah. changed and saved thousands of lives dude i mean he said that number i'm sure it's more i'm sure it's yeah. tens hundreds of thousands dude when he let this thing slip that he gets 40 to 50 emails a day i was like what are you doing emailing us back totally how did, what yeah. kind of miracle was this you're totally right <laughs> And who knows what he'll think now? No, actually, I, I think he had a blast. I really do. Yeah, me too. I, I really yeah. do too. He was smiling the whole time. If 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 you want to see the interview, you can uh well let let me give our contact information because again, okay. we know that there might be people that are new to this. So there's a lot of ways to contact us. The best thing to do is just go and follow us on Instagram. Uh that's two gomers. 
And in our bio, there's a link tree link, and you can find all of our socials there and all sorts of links to all sorts of things that we do. Um, you could, if you want, call us on the Gomer phone. We have our own phone number. That number is 608-622-7669. That's 608-NAB-PONY. Did you know you can text us at that number? You can call or text us. Um, we love to hear about your blocks and your thoughts. Um, remember to rate, review, and subscribe or follow Overcoming Runner's Block if you hadn't, if you haven't done that yet. Thank you to Davis for our music, Jason and Eric for our graphics, Adam for our web. Uh, Adam is our web, not only our webmaster, but he connected us to Jeff. So thank you a million, Adam, for Adam, that one. Adam is the liaison of liaisons. Adam, That's this true. whole thing happened because of you. Thanks, dude. He, and he texted us the other day and said he's got something in the works that's a celebrity that runs. Wow. And he won't tell us who that is, but we'll see. Maybe someday that would happen. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you, Annie, for our social media. Now, if this is the first time for folks and you want more Gomers, if you just want to listen to a couple more episodes to see if we're your thing, here's my suggestion. Go back one episode and listen to our episode about cramps. Hmm. Yep. We talk about stomach cramps and side stitches. It's a super fun episode, but also surprisingly informative. Like, we actually sound like mm. we know what we're talking about. Yeah. We offer solutions. I shouldn't sound so surprised. Sorry. Oh, yeah. But we, it's we, a great we, app. We know a few things, you know. Um, <laughs> right. And there's a, there's a, you know, there's a Code Brown episode in the, in the can. Code Brown, if people are new, is, is I think... Runners say this, right? It's like, yeah. what to do if one of your blocks is you're not blocked enough, right? That you're right. struggling with not pooping your pants. That's yeah. coming up soon. Or I would say, if you like the cramps episode, then go back and listen on a run to our 5K race guide. I think if mm. anything is going get, to get you kind of hooked on us, it's that. It's We recorded it to run with, and mm -hmm. we do we guide you through a three-to-one run walk run interval and entertain mm -hmm. and distract you along a run so i'd say cramps episode 5k audio guide and then then we've got our hooks india yes you'll never go member. back be a member of the gomer nation it's nothing but love here and yep. we just want to build up and encourage again i am so inspired by that the, his way of lifting people up i just think that's amazing Definitely. 14 years of content from the Gomers. If you want that, it's all on this feed. And also you can subscribe to our second podcast, The Bonus Disc. You can find all sorts of information about that on patreon.com slash two Gomers. Isn't there a whole podcast on that podcast about movies, dude? It's so confusing. There's a podcast within the podcast. You're right. Mm -hmm. Perfect movie where we do where we put a movie on trial every month. Oh, and they're so fun. We just did. Uh, oh, brother, where art thou? Father of the bride. We've done Star Wars this year. Well, I mean, okay, we have runners listening. We have Chariots of Fire. We did Chariots of Fire this one year. One of our most recent, Forrest Gump. We yep. did within the last yeah. year. There's, you know, good stuff. All sorts there. of stuff. We've got Shawshank Redemption coming up in September. Oh, boy. Mm. So you're going to want to go to patreon.com slash gomers if you're really digging us and you just want more. Sweet, dude. Well... One of Jeff Galloway's words is vitality in his writing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think he said it a few times in this. 
um, running for vitality. Um, and I, I looked it up on in the Oxford Oxford Dictionary on my phone. You know, your okay. phone has like a full Oxford Dictionary in it. Uh, what a world. Yeah, and it, it says liveliness or the state of being strong and active. And it's mm -hmm. about it's about having energy and being strong, active, and, and uh, full of life. So I think he really brought that. And it inspired me to get out there and mm -hmm. run, walk, run, dude, to get that vitality. I mean, I said to him at the end, he's living proof of that kind of word. He practices what he preaches. And I mean, yeah. I would love to be living proof of that myself. Mm, totally. Love All it. right, dude, great app. Super fun, man. And remember, everybody, if we can do this, if we can overcome, you can too. And happy running.